uh, yeah, it's a great privilege to share. And uh, yeah, just thinking again, hey, about the offering. Just, just incredible, the, the mark that a life can actually leave, hey, uh, as it relates to their obedience to God and their trusting God. And, you know, I was thinking earlier about Andrea too today and just, just a trust in God that she's displayed uh, just in following his call. And, uh, yeah, just really a life to be honored and just so incredible to see, you know, what we did tonight. Um, related to what I felt to share on, actually, uh, I felt to share on trust. Uh, it's something that God has been speaking to me about. It's sort of a scripture that's been hanging in my head for quite a bit of time now. And uh, scripture that sort of is the framework, I think, of our message is in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. And most of us probably know that scripture. And I might even talk a little bit about verse 7. We'll just see how that goes. But I'll read Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. There are we. Ta-da. Awesome. There are we. And so the scripture, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. And I'll sneak in verse 7. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. And so I'm going to give you some like original words, Greek words, uh, so that I sound really like learned and educated, but internet is awesome, uh, can find anything that you need, hey? But trust, in the Old Testament, the word trust, uh, the way that it is written uh, is batach, B-A-T-A-C-H, and what it means is to hide for refuge. Uh, in the New Testament, this word is translated uh, from the original word in the Greek, pistis or pisteo. Uh, pisteo is the verb uh, that, that is being used in this particular scripture or in this particular word. And trust is a verb, and that's what I've been thinking about uh, lately again, that trust is a verb, is something that you do. And tell that we've been working as a team for many years, Caleb and I. And uh, it's not a feeling. And pisteo, when you look at the Bible, doesn't just mean trust. It's also in the New Testament translated in, as faith. And so I just wanted to go to James, book of James, one of my favorite books in the Bible. James chapter 2, verse 14. And I think we all heard this. You might not know of heart what it says, but what uses it, my brethren? Or brothers, if someone says he has faith, but he has no works, can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to him, go in peace, be warmed and be filled, and yet you do not give him what is necessary for their body, what use is that? Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. 
And it goes on until verse 26, and I'll look at that a little bit in a moment. But the word faith, the root word for the word faith here is that same word that is the root word for trust in the New Testament, pisteo or pistis. And very clearly here it starts, you know, coming forward that faith by itself is not much. It's just a word. Uh, faith actually has strongly connected to it an action, something that we do. And so if the root word of faith is the same root word of trust, then I would say trust too has something connected to it. It's not just I trust, but there's no substance to it. There has to be substance to it. It goes on here, but someone in verse 18, but someone may well say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without the works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. The demons also believe and shudder. But are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? Was not Abraham, our father, justified by works when he offered up Isaac, his son, on the altar? You see that faith was working with his works. And as a result of the works, faith was perfected. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, And Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And you look at the word believe in verse 23. Abraham believed. And the root word of that is, you might guess it, pistis, pisteo. Same word. So you have trust, pistis. You have faith, pistis. You have belief, pistis. It's all the same root words. It all has this sense that in itself, it's not much. It actually needs substance. You don't just believe. You believe in something. You don't just have faith. You, you have faith in something. And actually, it has a result. There is an outworking of my faith. You know, I often talk about this, but if I say I believe in prayer, what would be the substance of my belief? Is that I pray. Yeah, if I say I believe in the Word of God, then what is the outworking of that? It's not just that I read the Word of God, but that I actually live according to it. I put faith in something. I put trust in something. I believe this is the truth, and therefore it actually shapes my life. And so the word trust, you know, in the Scripture, trust, and it goes on in the Lord, but it, it actually has substance to it. You don't just trust and I think we all trust in something. Yeah, the question is sometimes what do we trust in or who do we trust in? And so the scripture then actually uh, goes on. Uh, it says trust in the Lord. And the root word of that is Jehovah, the self-existing one, the Lord. And uh, I think one of my favorite components of God's nature is that he is infinite. Yeah, he is infinite in knowledge. He's infinite in power. He's infinite in presence. And I love this about God. I trust in the Lord. You know, infinite in knowledge. He can, actually, he knows everything. He knows what to do in all circumstances. He's infinite in power. There's nothing, actually, that he cannot handle. He can do anything. And he's infinite in presence. He misses nothing. And to me, that brings tremendous comfort to my spirit. Yeah, and that whatever situation I'm in, if I trust in the Lord, the one who knows everything, can do anything, and misses nothing, then uh, that's a great comfort to my soul. And so this is what we are to trust in. Uh, and trust and knowing are very closely connected. Uh, there's a scripture in Psalms 
chapter 9, or do you say it? Psalms chapter 9, or Psalm 9, verse 10. It says, and those who know your name will put their trust in you. And so this aspect of trust is very closely connected to knowing God. And so it's very hard to trust God without actually knowing God. And uh, his character is perfect. You know, we learn about that all through life. And I think as, as we learn to know him, our trust will grow. But I think at the same time as our trust grows, so we also will get to know him better. And it's sort of like it goes together. Uh, trust and knowing him. Bible often talks about intimate trust. Uh, it's an intimate knowing of who God is. And it talks us, it, it teaches us here in, in Proverbs that we are to trust in the Lord. Uh, a very strong direction hey, that the Bible gives us. Not just trust in anything, trust in the Lord. Then it goes on, we are to trust with all our heart. And when it talks about all, actually the root word here is kole or kole, and it basically means no reserves, all together with everything that we have. So I'm going to trust in the Lord with everything, not just most, not 99%, and we often say this, for instance, in our Lordship teaching, you know, Jesus is Lord of all, or He is not Lord at all. And there's a similar instruction that we are to trust the Lord with all our heart, with everything that is in it. And uh, I understand, too, this is a process that we grow in, uh, but, you know, to the best of our abilities, you know, we, we trust God with all of our heart. And then it goes on with heart. What it actually is, it is our innermost being, the center of who we are. And so we are to trust in the Lord with everything that we have, yeah, the center of everything. And it talks about feeling, it talks about will, it talks about intellect, everything that we are. And a really strong exhortation, I think, in Proverbs, that we are to trust the Lord with all of our heart. And then it goes on, and it says, do not. Can we all say, do not? Do not. And so, this is a warning. God comes with a warning through uh, the book of Proverbs that says, do not. And when you look at the root word of do not, two letters, A-L, al. And basically what it says, it means not. (laughs) Okay, so do not means not. Uh, But it talks about qualification. It's not just the word not. It's actually almost like you are not qualified. So do not. Actually, you're not qualified. That's what it deeply means. And, you know, do nothing or never do anything. But there's a warning that says do not. You're not qualified to lean on your own understanding. And uh, I find it amazing when I think about it like that. Because it goes into leaning, and the root word of that is sha'an. And it actually means to support oneself. So you're not qualified to support yourself. You're not qualified to actually rely on yourself or rest on yourself. You're not qualified to do that at all. And so, you know, when you lean on something, you put your trust in it, don't you? If I stand here and I lean on this podium... I put my trust in this podium, and hopefully my trust won't be disappointed. Yeah? But that's what it means to lean on something. We actually rest on something. And so we are not qualified to lean on our own understanding. And the root word of that you know, means knowledge or wisdom. And so I had this great revelation again as I was preparing 
that uh, I would be very foolish to trust in me. Very foolish to trust in me. And then I also concluded that it is so easy to trust in me. <laughs> it's actually really easily done to trust in myself. And, uh, and God warns us not to. And I've been recently challenged again, the scriptures uh, about Jesus' life, that he did nothing unless the Father told him to do it. He lived on earth, fully God, fully man, but he trusted in the Father. You know, you look at John chapter 5. Let's just, a couple of scriptures about the life of Jesus. John chapter 5, verses 19 and 20. Therefore Jesus answered and was saying to them, Truly, truly. I always find it quite amazing when Jesus, the truth, tells us, truly, truly. It's like, just in case you weren't paying attention, this is really important. Yeah. I say to you, the Son can do nothing of Himself unless it is something He sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows Him all things that He Himself is doing. And the Father will show Him greater works than these so that you will marvel. Verse 30 of chapter 5. I can do nothing on my own initiative. Okay. Who here has ever done something? I'm expecting everybody to put up their hands. You probably know. But who here has ever done something on their own initiative? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're in good company, you know. But I mean, Jesus never, it says. I, do, I can do nothing on my own initiative. As I hear, I judge. Anybody ever judged on their own initiative? And my judgment is just, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. John 8, verse 28. So Jesus said, when you, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he. And I do nothing on my own initiative, but I speak these things as the Father told me. John 12, verses 49 and 50. John 12, 49 and 50. For I did not speak on my own initiative, but the Father himself who sent me has given me a commandment as to what to say and what to speak. I know that his commandment is eternal life. Therefore, these things I speak, I speak just as the Father has told me. And uh, I just find it so challenging. So here is Jesus, fully God, fully man, who says nothing unless the Father tells him to say it, who does nothing unless the Father tells him to do it. And... Uh, he doesn't lean on his own understanding. And I'm like, if anybody could lean on his own understanding, it'd probably be Jesus. But he didn't. And uh, again, this whole thing, it's so easily done to trust on my own understanding. But the scripture tells me I'm not qualified to lean on my own understanding. My own ways, my path, my wisdom. You know, I make choices based on my feelings. Anybody ever done that? Yep. My own intellect, my circumstances, experience. And I just wrote down on my piece of paper here, danger, danger, warning. And uh, the word that was coming to mind in preparation was this whole thing of being pragmatic. Uh, to go on your own initiative. And uh, I was thinking about a couple of stories in my life uh, 
you know, when, when I was in YWAM, uh, where I was fairly pragmatic. And they seem really simple stories. And some of them have to do, you know, with trusting God for things. I remember this one time. I'm in a DTS. I was leading a school. And uh, I'm, I think it's like 17, 18 years ago now. I'm leading this school, and we needed finances for outreach. And uh, sort of a cycle that we go through, you know, with our schools, trusting God for outreach fees. And uh, as a school leader, I felt like we needed to take up this offering um, just amongst us. You know, that deadline was coming close. Let's just see what God is saying. Let's hear from Him. Let's obey. And uh, outreach, I remember this so clearly, outreach was $3,300 that we had to pay. Uh, airfares were cheaper back then. And uh, I, I went to the offering time, and I actually personally still had a bit of a need too, but it was deadline, and uh, I think I needed 25, or I had $2,500, I needed $800. And uh, so I'm talking to the school, I said, guys, it's really important, let's just hear from the Lord. I believe God wants to bring breakthrough. When he speaks, let's obey. And so we sat in this circle, and we all sort of closed our eyes. We waited on the Lord after a time of worship. And as soon as I waited on the Lord, God says, Ari, you know the $2,500 that you have? You know, sometimes you know where it's going. Yeah, you know, it's like, you know, I almost want to say no. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, I want you to give it all to that person. And I'm like... You know, still learning faith and finances. Because when I came into YWAM, I had a little bit of money. I'd been working as a salesman and just had a bit of money in my account. I was still learning faith and finances. And, uh, and I'm like, okay, I'd reached $3,300. I've got $2,500. I'm short $800. God wants me to give $2,500 away. It's like trying to add it up in my head. It's not adding up. It's not working. And so what starts happening... God says, I should do, but I'm using my own unqualified reasoning and understanding to sort of come to a conclusion here. Uh, maybe I heard wrong. And so, you know, and nothing was happening, right? So a couple of minutes go by. This is like the most non-event as an offering time because no one, nothing was happening. And I go, go back to God. I said, God, what's going on? No one is like, you know obeying or no one is moving is there anything happening and God is like Ari it's like until you go nothing is going to happen and I'm like oh man God is serious here so I get a piece of paper I write down $2,500 and I fold it and I almost grudgingly like I'm walking up to this person and I give them my piece of paper and as I turn around going back to my my chair with deep sadness in my heart that I had obeyed the Lord. Yeah, man, being honest here, okay, being honest. Uh, I see somebody else get up behind me and starts following me to the place where I'm sitting down. I sit down, I turn around, sit down, this person gives me a check. And on this check is written 3,000 Canadian dollars, what at the time was $3,300. And uh, it's interesting, hey? It's like God seems to know what's going on. Issue was that Ari was being very intellectually unqualified, thinking through this whole process that God tells me to do is it doesn't add up, yeah? I've got this other story once, you know, I was a bit short on finances and uh, I needed a pair of new, new pants, jeans, and uh, I'm thinking this through, I needed finance for staff fees and I had 
some money that had come in from Holland. And, you know, I needed to pay staff fees. I needed to buy new, buy new jeans. And I'm trying to think this all through. I really need new jeans. And, you know, sometimes when we say need, we really mean, mean want. I really want new jeans. And, uh, and so I went to the bank. I got off some money out of my Dutch bank account. And I started walking to the city. And uh, I, with my qualified own understanding, I went to buy myself a nice pair of jeans yeah, and uh, was all satisfied when I walked home with my beautiful bag of jeans, like nice, it was gray jeans. And I come back and I first had to walk past the office and I walk in the office and I walk to my desk and there's this envelope on my desk and a uh, little note in it and there was money in it. I open it up and it's always exciting, you know, you get you know, somebody's like being generous and I open it up and there's this note in it that says, hey Ari, uh, I've been praying for you. I felt to give you this $100 to buy yourself some new jeans. You know, you should be really happy when you get like a gift. Uh, but I felt deeply convicted. Because what had I been doing? I'd been moving in my own understanding. I'd been making a decision. And uh, actually not really li listening to God. Not really hearing from God what he wanted me to do. And, you know, I can share many stories. I, you know been in a relationship that I shouldn't be in. Uh, I've also broken up a relationship that I should have remained in. Uh, now, I'm not saying, you know, that I got married to the wrong person, because when I broke up, God later told me to start dating again, because I broke up based on my own qualified understanding, yeah? There was issues of fear going on, and there was the stuff going on. And so what I'm trying to say is that sometimes we make decisions and it is quite easily based on our own understanding. And it is an unqualified understanding. It's often based on my feelings. It's based in intellect. And uh, so there's this aspect, you know, that we need to learn to really hear from God and to do what he tells us to do. And I was thinking about the story of Abraham. And I think we all know this story, uh, Abraham, the hero of the faith. Uh, but he too sometimes was a little bit pragmatic. Uh, Genesis chapter 12, we get the Abrahamic covenant. God speaks to him, Abraham, I'm going to make you father of many nations. Your offspring will be like the sand on the seashore. Uh, through you, the nations will be blessed. Incredible words. And Abraham is, uh, you know, he's like 65, 70 years old at the time when the promise comes. And the promise gets repeated in uh, Genesis chapter 15. And straight away with this promise being repeated, Abraham also comes out with this pr pragmatic response. Highly pragmatic, leaning on his own understanding, thinking, I am old. But you know what, God? I have a servant, and his name is Eliezer. Maybe you should just do it through him. He can be the heir of my house, and you can raise up offspring through him. He can be the one. Now, that wasn't God's word, and he repeats his covenant then we get, of course, Genesis 16, and I think we all know this story because Abraham keeps getting older, Sarah keeps getting older, but Sarah has a servant, a servant girl, and her name is Hagar, yeah, and so why don't we just lean on our own qualified understanding, and why don't we raise offspring up through Hagar, and uh, Abraham goes with the plan, and of course, we know what happens. He gets pregnant, and we get Ishmael. Uh, what wasn't God's plan? Uh, you know, sometimes we talk about, you know, that was second best. I don't even know if it was second best. 
something else was God's plan. And so being very pragmatic now, God actually blesses Ishmael because God said that he would bless Abraham's offspring. There you get Genesis 18 where Isaac is promised this time next year. It's, you know, the story of Sodom and Gomorrah where God actually talks to, to Abraham about Sodom and Gomorrah and what he's going to do. But he promises Isaac, Sarah loves in her tent uh, because practically we're way beyond childbearing age. This is not possible. Genesis 21, Isaac is born. God does it. Hallelujah. It's happening. And then, of course, you get Genesis 22, where God then speaks to Abram, and he says, well, it's time now to offer this young lad, uh, you know, on Mount Moriah, the, the place where I will show you. And uh, what I think God is doing there, you know, he's testing Abraham's faith and whether he will fear the Lord and the commandment, but I also think that he's doing away with the pragmatic. He's actually testing Abraham, yeah, in the area where he maybe struggles most. And, you know, the question for me was, you know, what are some areas of promise, you know, where we are trusted or where we are tempted not, not to trust God? You know, there are often areas of pain or areas of disappointment. Those are areas, I think, where we are tempted to actually lean on our own non-qualified understanding. Yeah, it's in areas of the past. And, you know, I look at my own life, rejection, it's been there. Anybody else been rejected in, in life? Yeah, about 10 of us that struggled with rejection sometime. Yeah, but guys, when there is rejection, there is a great chance that we struggle with mistrust. And when we struggle with mistrust, there is a great chance that we too will lean on our own non-qualified understanding. And, uh, and I think what God wants to do is to really help us to see where maybe we lean on our own understanding and help us to learn to trust Him. And it's funny, today I was watching VeggieTales, uh, love good old VeggieTales, and you know the story of Noah's Ark. And uh, who knows that story, Noah's Ark? It's a great one. Uh, but at one point, you know, you have, I forget the name of the guy who is like, the guy that really wants to get off the boat. He's like totally, he's committed. I want to get off this boat. He's got all these plans because God is not going to save him. This is not going to happen. Uh, you know, we're going to be on this boat forever. Uh, before it rains, he doesn't think it's going to rain. Then it does rain. Then, you know, the flood is there. He doesn't think he gets off the boat. So he comes up with this plan. And at one point, he has this like this balloon. Okay, this big balloon with this little basket underneath. It's not hot air balloon. It's just a balloon. And uh, he basically tells his dad, Noah, I've got it. This is it. <laughs> We're getting off the boat. And, uh, and dad says, this is not God's plan. This is not God's plan. And the poor kid gets all disappointed. Yeah. And then this big squid comes in. You know the story? Big squid puts the balloon in his mouth and then disappears with the balloon. Uh, and they're still stuck on the boat. <laughs> yeah, they're still on this boat where God has them. And uh, this sun does come around, but you know, plan B, making plan B just in case God might not come through. Yeah, just having this little bit in the back uh, where we lean on our own understanding. Then it goes on to verse 7. Uh, it says, in all your ways acknowledge him. And so in all, we talked about that before, it's, it's everything. It's all together. Then your ways, 
that talks about a road or a course of life. So in everything, in every course of life, acknowledge. And it's a, the, the root word of acknowledge here is actually the word yada, where uh, we often look at the word know or to know, uh, intimately know. But in, in everything, it basically says know, know God. Know God in everything or in all your ways, and he will make your path straight. And uh, I've tried to make my path straight many times in the past uh, as I leaned on my non-qualified own understanding. Uh, but actually, God wants to make our path straight. And the word straight, root word is yasha, what means straight or right or pleasant or prosperous. And our path, he wants to make our path straight. He will lead us in the right way. Yeah, he will actually guide us as we trust in him and not on our own understanding. And that is something that God really has for us. You know, you look at verse 7 very quickly. It says that we are not to be wise in our own eyes, but fear the Lord and shun evil and so, or turn away from evil. And so a way to really trust God is to turn away. It's to really turn to God and to fear him. And um, I was thinking about, okay, well, what do we then actually entrust, entrust God with? Because there's so many things. And uh, just thinking even through this week, you know, when the whole story happened, well, the situation happened with Andrea. And, you know, Monday there was lots of stuff to talk through, phone calls to make, uh, people to talk to. And, you know, there was a lot of grace to actually do that. Then the following day, it didn't feel that strong. It felt like there was grace to actually deal with the emotions of it, right? There was grace. There was ability. It was a real situation of trusting God, I think, going through that. And I think a part of what we do, you know, we entrust God with difficult seasons. We entrust God with difficult circumstances. And we trust that he will sustain us. Yeah, almost every evening we read this little book with our kids. Uh, it's called Sissel, and he likes to sit on a rock. Uh, and read his Bible. And the, the Bible story that he reads is Psalm 23. See, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Uh, he makes me lay down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Uh, he leads me, you know, uh, through the valley of death. Even there he will be with me, your staff and your, your what is it? Rod, there it is, Rod. Uh, will be with me, you know, he, he sustains us. There's this sense that he will, will be with us, uh, that he anoints our heads with oil. But there's this sense that in difficult seasons, we are to entrust ourselves in the hands of God. We, ha we are to trust him. And that psalm to me is a real psalm of trust, that there will be grace during times like that, that God will actually uphold us and sustain us. You know, sometimes we will have to, well, not sometimes, we have to entrust our family potentially to the Lord. You know, we have a whole bunch of people that have just come here, you know, for schools, family is elsewhere, you know, uh, staff members that are here. Uh, there might be circumstances with your family. You know, I remember my own journey after making a whole bunch of poor choices. You know, I had to really trust God with my family and for, for that to be restored. And uh, it's entrusting my family to the Lord. Uh, finances, possessions, entrusting that to the Lord. Uh, you know, there's areas of trust where sometimes we, we might need things that we can't get, you know, like my pair of jeans. And God is actually a provider. He wants to actually come along 
side of us and, and provide for us. And sometimes they're the small things, sometimes they're the big things. And another thing to really entrust to the Lord and felt like this was an important one for some of us has to do with our future, but also with our past. I think we have to entrust our past to the Lord, even though it is in the past. Sometimes we disqualify ourselves as it relates to the future because of our past. And there's a sense like we have to entrust our past to the Lord. The past is the past. You know, if my past was my qualification, uh, you know, I wouldn't be doing what I was doing today. But God actually comes and he, he's a redeemer, isn't he? And we can entrust our past with the Lord. He wants to take that. He wants us to learn from it. Relationships, entrust those to the Lord. His promises, entrust them to the Lord. You know, we can control things, but it causes, I think, great worry, anxiety. Uh, my way, leaning on my non-qualified own understanding causes great anxiety. It causes tiredness. It causes worry because I'm trying to hold it together. I'm trying to do it by myself. It causes insecurity. And I find often the outcome of trusting in my own non-qualified understanding is actually uh, not leading to a great outcome. And uh, I wrote it in big letters. I'm almost at the end of my message, actually. But I wrote it in big letters. Don't, don't hold on to what God has told you to let go of. Yeah, it's an issue of trust. But don't hold on to what God has told you to let go of. He knows best. I first wrote down in my notes, he knows better. But then I was like, not quite cutting it. He knows best. His ways are higher than my ways. Yeah, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Uh, he, he just knows best. And he actually can be trusted. And we can actually have tremendous security when we trust in him. When we actually choose not to lean on our own non-qualified understanding, but actually when we learn to lean on who he is, uh, a God who can be fully trusted. Yeah, with everything that we've come from, uh, what we're going through, uh, the stuff that we have that we don't have, potential relationship difficulties that we walk through, stuff that we're trusting him for, for the future as it relates to our call. God, you said this. Uh, he's a God who keeps his promise and we can trust him. He will be there and he will come through. Uh, maybe not always in our timing. And uh, that's something that I also had to learn, that God is never late. Yeah, he's never late Maybe late on my watch, uh, maybe late in my timing, but never in his. He is never late. And uh, just, I suppose, an encouragement today, guys, that, uh, that we are to trust in the Lord with all of our heart and not lean on our own non-qualified understanding. Uh, even though it seems really good sometimes, uh, it's not the best thing to actually lean upon because those are often the podiums that fall over, that crack, and that break. And then we get hurt, and then we get confused, and God doesn't want us to be like that. He wants us to be people that lean on Him, learn to lean on Him, learn to grow in trust, learn to grow in faith, learn to grow in belief. And I think it's just the encouragement to get to know God, yeah, that He can be trusted, but also the encouragement, guys, let's be people that really hear from God and trust Him, uh, people that follow Him, uh, that believe in for his word and that do not lean on their own feelings, our own understanding. I've noticed in my journey, my feelings, probably some of the most deceptive things that can lead me. 
yeah, our feelings don't uh, often tell us the truth. Yeah, and uh, we want to be careful, yeah, not to lean on us. And it's very insecure. Uh, let's be people that really learn to lean on God and trust in Him. Amen. I'll give it back to Caleb.